Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer, for some Always Right Radio. It's nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Tuesday. It's the 14th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Happy Valentine's Day to you and to your Valentine. Hopefully you make it a nice day today. It's not starting out to be a nice day today because the uh, country is reacting once again to a mass shooting. And once again, the country is reacting to calls for an end to the Second Amendment. It was instantaneous this time. Usually there's at least a little bit of a lapse after a tragic event in which people focus solely on the victims, solely on concerns for their families, and then they politicize it and dive into, we have to ban guns. They didn't wait this time. Literally, first thing this morning, the left-wing governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, left-wing representative Alyssa Slotkin, uh, they stood up there, and then on left-wing television on MSNBC, they immediately blamed Republicans for the deaths of three Michigan State students, the injuries to five Michigan State students, all at the hands of a 43-year-old Anthony McRae, who apparently, according to the reports, didn't have any connection to Michigan State at all. 
but three deaths, five critical, critically uh, uh, wounded uh, that are, God willing, will recover. We hope that death toll does not rise by even one more. But Michigan State University Police Deputy Chief Chris Ro- uh, Rosman said this morning that they are still working to determine the place uh, and hometown and residence of the suspect that they don't know a ton about, other than he is not part of the Michigan State community. But that happened up in Lansing. And rather than talking about the actual uh, gunman and his own motivations, his own background, the uh, victims themselves expressing concern for them and their families, the immediate response this morning was blame Republicans, blame the Second Amendment. I'm not even exaggerating, not even a little bit. She couldn't get two minutes into her statement at the press conference this morning before Gretchen Whitmer decided to attack the Republican Party and the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. We're all broken by an all-too-familiar feeling. Another place that is supposed to be about community and togetherness, shattered by bullets and bloodshed. We know this is a uniquely American problem. Today is the fifth anniversary of the Parkland shooting. We're mere weeks past the Lunar New Year shooting at a dance hall and a few months past a shooting at an elementary school in Uvalde. And looking back at a year marked by shootings at grocery stores, parades, and so many other ordinary, everyday situations, we cannot keep living like this. Our children are scared to go to school. People feel unsafe in their houses of worship or local stores. Too many of us scan rooms for exits when we enter them. And many of us have gone through the grim exercise of figuring out who our last call would be to. Last night, a lot of kids on this campus made those calls. They worried for their lives and for their friends, for their fellow Spartans. Parents across Michigan were on pins and needles, calling their kids to tell them that they love them. As parents, we tell our kids, it's going to be okay. We say that all the time. But the truth is, words are not good enough. We must act, and we will. And today, let's hold the MSU and East Lansing communities close. And let's think of the families and friends of those who have lost, those fighting for their lives, and the countless Michiganders whose lives are forever changed by yesterday's shooting. We will get through this together. And we will do it with the full support of the state of Michigan, and the U.S. federal government. And with that... All right. While I obviously can appreciate the emotion, uh, and I'm actually glad to hear it and see it, because it is a very emotional thing, it's a very devastating thing, quite obviously, the fact that the immediate response is we have to find a way to stop guns, rather than what is wrong with people, That's the problem that I have this morning and that I have every morning after one of these terrible incidents. Why is it that the finger of blame gets pointed at the object that is used rather than the individual, depending on whether or not the individual fits a political narrative? You understand? Case in point, 
Dylan Roof shoots up the black church in South Carolina several years ago. Dylan Roof, white supremacist, little neo-Nazi piece of trash. His writings and his social media profile were combed through, of course, and once they found out what a reprehensible, disgusting piece of trash he was, that became the narrative. White supremacy, domestic terrorism. The narrative was the individual is to blame. Hardly any mention at all of the gun issue. But in this case, the police who have already announced the shooter's name, he is deceased, as I said, Anthony McRae, a 43-year-old black male, is not the subject of the discussion. Nope, we can't focus on that. Then we'll have to acknowledge that it wasn't an act of domestic terrorism by straight, white, Latin, Catholic, mass-attending males. So we have to focus on the gun. Oh, it's gun control. It's all about, we need red flag laws. We need, you either care about protecting kids or you don't. Those were the, those were the actual words of Alyssa Slotkin, the representative who was also at that press briefing this morning. As the representative of Oxford, Michigan, I cannot believe that I am here again doing this 15 months later. And I am filled with rage that we have to have another press conference to talk about our children being killed in their schools. And I would say that you either care about protecting kids or you don't. You either care about having an open, honest conversation about what is going on in our society or you don't. But please don't tell me you care about the safety of children if you're not willing to have a conversation about keeping them safe in a place that should be a sanctuary. Now, the Spartan community is incredibly uh, connected and proud. See, the problem is she doesn't even realize doesn't even understand that we do care about kids' safety. And we do care about public safety in general. And we should be interested in a discussion about society. She said that. But the difference is, what she doesn't understand, is that our conversation about society should be about societal behaviors. It should be about the glorification of guns and gun violence. The glorification through so many different things that affect the minds of Americans, not about the Second Amendment. It shouldn't be about the right for people to protect and defend themselves, to keep and bear arms against any and all threats, including governmental ones, which, of course, was the original reason for the Declaration. And it is just as valid and as important as it is uh, uh, today as it was then. So do we care about protecting kids? You're darn right we do. Should we talk about this societal scourge? Yes, we should. What is the societal scourge? The guns? No, it's the people. Because one gun has never, ever unlocked its gun case, jumped out on its own, and started shooting people. It has never picked itself up off of a table. It has never pulled itself out of a holster. It has never been used on its own will for its own purposes as a weapon of destruction. The gun is an inanimate object. It is made animated only by the use of the individuals that we should be focusing on here. The criminal element. It is not about the weapon. But don't tell that to Senator Mallory McMorrow of Michigan. It's going to take everybody. I I mean, I just want to paint a picture. There are kids 
who survived the Oxford High School shooting a little more than a year ago who are at Michigan State. They relived this. I got a text from an Oxford dad before I found out about the shooting on Twitter to let me know in a kind way um, that there was a shooting happening in Michigan State. And in the wake of the Oxford shooting, the then Senate Majority Leader, a Republican, when asked by reporters what the legislature was going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again, he said nothing. Because if we do something, we're going to turn into a country that we don't recognize. And that, of course, is a complete mis- con- uh, 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 a misquote, lack in context. Not nothing to prevent this from happening again, but nothing if with re- if it means uh, with respect to taking people's Second Amendment rights away from them. Now, McMorrow made that comment on MSNBC this morning. But she uh, she also went on to say this. You know, we don't know the motive of this shooter yet, but thinking about the crisis that this country is going for through right now, and there are always signs. There are always signs, and in places where there are red flag laws in place where somebody can file a report and have firearms temporarily confiscated from somebody who's an immediate risk to themselves or others is proven to be able to prevent shootings. That's crap. That is pure, unadulterated, unfiltered crap. And you know it always is going to come to that crap. Red flag laws. People can make anonymous complaints or tips to local law enforcement saying, I know somebody who might be a threat to themselves or to others, and the police then in states where red flag laws exist are compelled to go and knock on the door or knock the door down and confiscate the weapons of an American citizen because somebody, maybe legitimately, Maybe pranking, maybe there's beef, maybe there's a there's a, a bad relationship between the individuals. Because somebody called and said they're a threat. They're a threat to themselves and they're possibly a threat to others. And let's take their Second Amendment rights right out the door in the form of their guns. And then what does that individual have to do to get his guns back? He has got to hire a lawyer, take time off of work, go to all of the expense, go to hearings, go to potentially a trial, or at least a hearing in front of a judge if it's not called a trial, to prove that he's not a threat to himself or others before he can get his legally owned guns back. And they think that's okay. They think it's just fine and dandy to violate the constitutional rights of an American citizen if it makes them feel better about, quote-unquote, gun violence, which is a misnomer because it's human violence using guns, just like human violence using vehicles killed a whole hell of a lot of people during a Christmas parade in Waukesha, just like human violence using knives killed a whole bunch of little uh, young kids, college kids in Idaho. It's human violence. The weapon is irrelevant. But they want to take those weapons away unconstitutionally because it'll make them feel better. You know who says this is not something that's uh, that's okay? You know who says this is not appropriate to take the guns away from American citizens based on just a tip that somebody reports that I think this person might be dangerous? 
Representative Clay Higgins of Louisiana had a pretty interesting back and forth with a, with a witness on this very issue last summer. Last summer, Clay Higgins sat down and discussed the idea of taking guns away based on a tip given by somebody who might not have any connection whatsoever to the individual that they are ratting on uh, to the police. Listen to this. Does an American citizen have the right to defend their home from armed, violent home invasion? It's yes or no. It's not a trick question. Yes, sir. I believe that the Supreme Court has established that right. Yeah, it was well-defined 240 years ago, reaffirmed by Article Three and every sovereign state since. Ms. Sampson, you believe an American citizen, a free American, has a right to defend his home from armed, violent invasion? With respect, thank you for the question. The things that we're talking about won't prevent... Well, Americans we're moving past you. Right. Ms. Okafor, does an American citizen have the right to defend their home from armed and violent invasion. Absolutely. Not only Absolutely. is a human right, it's also guaranteed by the Constitution. Absolutely. What my colleagues are doing, it's really, it's unbelievably beyond the pale of, of anything reasonable or constitutional. It, everything we're leading to, towards here is a seizure of weapons from the homes of law-abiding American citizens that have purchased those weapons legally. You're setting up gunfights in the homes of Americans between Americans responding in the dead of night. When do you think ATF and the FBI comes to a house? In the dead of night. You're setting up gunfights between American citizens defending their homes from dark shadows, clearly armed, coming into our home, onto our porch, and through our door, you're setting up death. Americans killing Americans over some fantasy that you can define. What is a, a dangerous weapon in the hands of those Americans just living beyond their... Their, their true right to exercise their own decisions about what type of firearm they legally purchase and own. It's insane. I'm going to pause Representative Higgins there. i got about another two minutes of that clip, but it's 925, so I'll come back to that, and then I will open up the phone lines. Our first guest isn't until cursing out 1010. So that means you have a shot right now, no pun intended. You've got an opportunity at 216-901-0945 and 888 to respond to this. A terrible, tragic mass shooting in, uh, in Michigan, in East Lansing at Michigan State University. A horrible event. And rather than focusing on the victims, they're focusing on the weapons and America's Second Amendment rights. Literally from the jump this morning, they woke up screaming, this is Republicans' fault because they won't allow more gun control. 
And I'm going to continue to fight that fight as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 926. Actually, apologies. We should do our pledge because we always do our pledge. Patriots, stand and face your flag. If you uh, don't believe if you don't believe in the Second Amendment, I'll make this one easy. You don't have to stand and, and uh, say this pledge. You can take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. All of us now. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Always Right Radio, right back. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Okay, thanks for being with us. It's at 9.37 on AM 14.20, The Answer. Uh, by the way, you just heard that uh, a reminder from Scott Wilder. We are still working very, very hard to save babies' lives. That pre-bo- uh, pre-born banner is still up right now on the webpage at whkradio.com. Please use it. I've been very, very proud of the fact that we do, we do a pre-born day twice a year. It's a one-day event only, twice a year. We do one in November, and we do one in February. And every single time, we don't just hit, but we usually smash our goal of raising funds to save babies. And um, this particular year, or, or month rather, or last week, last Wednesday when we did the preborn, we missed our goal, which is uh, very uncharacteristic. I know how important this is to this audience, and I know how important pro-life causes are to you. So... I'm going to ask you, uh, we're going to keep that uh, banner up there for the rest of the month, and I'm going to ask you, can you please go ahead and donate $28 to save a baby's life? Please donate $140 to save five babies' lives through the extraordinary work of the ultrasound machine and the technicians that show women what their babies look like, leading them to uh, save their babies. Please. Uh, we missed our goal, and that's not, that's not okay, not for a strong pro-life audience like this. So if you have uh, neglected this time around, please find $28 that you don't need, disposable cash that you can put towards saving a baby's life, and I know you won't regret that. Go to uh, the uh, preborn banner on whkradio.com. I want to play a little bit more from Clay Higgins before I go to the phone calls because this is important. A reminder, this is what we're dealing with, with the terrible uh, tragedy. It was a mass shooting at Michigan State University, a 43-year-old named Anthony McCray, who, according to all reports, did not have any connection to the university, um, was responsible for the shooting. He took out three individuals, killed them. Five others are in critical condition. Then he killed himself. Why did he do it? We don't know, and neither do people like Senator McMorrow in Michigan who said, yeah, we don't need to know. All we do need to know is that we have to pass more gun control. You know, we don't know the motive of this shooter yet, but thinking about the crisis that this country is going for through right now, and there are always signs. There are always signs, and in places where there are red flag laws in place where somebody can file a report and have firearms temporarily confiscated. There it is. There's the line. Pushing for red flag laws. Pushing against Republicans, by the way. She goes on to blame Republicans, saying people die because Republican leadership doesn't want to pass red flag laws, and Republican leadership doesn't want any more gun control. Well, I was playing you a little bit of Clay Higgins in a hearing 
a House oversight hearing from last summer in June in which they were discussing red flag laws, and I think you should hear Clay Higgins as well. I'm looking at your, your presented statement, sir. He's questioning a police commissioner here. So you support confiscating guns from individuals determined to be a threat to themselves or others? Determined to be. So by this legislation, my colleagues are putting forth my understanding of the, of the letter of that law, which I 1,000% oppose, as would our founding fathers. The letter of that law says an anonymous tip from a citizen. So if this was law, Commissioner, would you confiscate, would you go to your neighbor's home and confiscate his legally owned weapons, a man that was not under criminal investigation nor under arrest? Would you do it? The red flag laws would. That's a yes or no, brother. I got five minutes to make an hour and a half statement here. It's more than a yes or no answer. It we'll move on then. A, it would if, you can't, if you cannot say yes, you would confiscate weapons from an American citizen that was subject to this law that my colleagues intend to push through this Congress, then you, and you said in your statement that you would confiscate those weapons if an American was determined to be, your quote, a threat to themselves or others. According to that law, determined to be is defined by an anonymous tip that an American citizen a threat to themselves or others. You're a police commissioner, a thin blue line brother, sworn to uphold the Constitution, and you're saying you'd seize those weapons. I see that as a problem. I'll stop it there because that was the point that needed to be made. A police commissioner testifying before the House Oversight Committee talking to Clay Higgins, Representative Clay Higgins from Louisiana there, had said in his opening statement that he would confiscate guns from an, from a, an American citizen who is not under investigation and who is not under arrest if there was something that determined that he might be a threat to himself or others. And that determination could be something as simple as an anonymous tip that he would then violate the Second Amendment rights of that particular individual. An anonymous tip. No proof required. No due process offered. Just go through the doors, take his guns. Because we got an anonymous tip that said, Joe Smith is violent and dangerous, and I think he might be crazy, and he might be planning to shoot up his family, or he might be planning to shoot up a grocery store. I don't know, but but uh, what do you mean, who am I? You don't need to know who I am. I'm just telling you, Joe Smith at 221 Vine Street is the guy. He's really dangerous. Click, hang up. The police commissioner and the American left, including Senator McMorris, Representative, uh, that's Mallory McMorris, Representative Alyssa Slotkin, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, all of these people speaking in Michigan this morning. That's all it would take for them. An anonymous uh, a tip, no name given, quick hang up, and they're on their way to confiscate the guns of the person, uh, of the, uh, Joe Smith from, uh, from 221 Vine Street. And now it'll be up to Joe Smith to try to prove himself innocent while presumed guilty it's literally the exact opposite of the way the american justice system works in the justice system if you're accused of a crime you are presumed to be innocent until the state proves you're guilty but when it comes to red flag laws you are presumed to be guilty as a threat to yourself and others until you go to court 
to convince them that you're innocent. You have to go to court and presume and, and and prove to them I'm not crazy. What does that mean? How do you prove yourself to not be a threat? Do you have to present evidence from a from a, 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 a therapist? Do you have to go to a psychologist or psychiatrist and get a certified clean bill of mental health? Do you have to bring in witnesses to say no, he's not a crazy person, no, he's not a danger, no, he's not a threat? What is? How do you prove a negative? How do you go into a court of law trying to demand back your own property that was seized from you unconstitutionally because somebody you don't even know blew the whistle on you, wink, wink, and said you're a threat, and you might be a threat to others in addition to yourself? How do you prove a negative? How do you go in? Do you have to bring in your parents, your kids, your wife, your brother, sister? People you work with and say, he's good, he's okay, he's okay. How do you prove you're not a threat? They're going to take your guns until you can prove that you're not a danger to others. And that's what these nuts in Michigan are doing this morning. And again, again, they're focused on the gun because they can't focus on the shooter. The shooter is irrelevant. Want to know why? He's black. You understand that? Anthony McCray, 43 years old, dead by his own hand after shooting up the campus, shooting eight people, three lethally so far, then shot himself. They found out he's a black male. That discussion is now over, off the table. Who he is doesn't matter. Had he been white... The moment it was determined and found that he was white, they would be combing through his personal information or his public profiles, looking for signs that he was a MAGA, Trump supporter, neo-Nazi, white supremacist, finding something to show that he fits the profile of domestic terrorist and domestic threat, according to the FBI which is determined that if he is white, straight, male, Christian, and God forbid, a Latin mass attending Catholic, then the focus would be on all of those things and then only secondarily on the weapons. But since he's a black male, push that part to the side. Let's just focus on gun control and red flag laws. There's got to be signs. There's always signs. You just heard Mallory McMorrow, senator in Michigan. There's always signs. We've got to see what those signs are and take those guns away before they can do these terrible things. Let's just rip the Constitution to shreds, all because it'll make these people feel better. And, oh, by the way, last thought, and then I'll go to your calls. Michigan State University, I looked it up on their website to confirm that just like every other university is a declared gun-free zone. They passed a law. They established a rule. No firearms allowed on Michigan State University's East Lansing, Michigan campus. Well, there it is. If all it takes is to pass laws, if that's what it takes to to strengthen gun control is passing laws saying you can't use guns 
or you can't have certain types of guns, well, then the sign on the door, the signs on all the doors, all over the campus in East Lansing should have been enough for the shooter to say, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm locked and I'm loaded. I'm a nut. I'm going to go shoot a bunch of students. And then he gets on campus and is ready to go and then sees a sign. Firearms prohibited. Crap! Now I can't do it. The law says I can't do it. The sign says I can't do it. Now he's going to get into his car and go back. You follow that? Gun-free zones don't work. Shooting people is already illegal. You catch that? Murder is already on the books. It's illegal. Making guns more illegal isn't going to stop people who are committed to doing illegal things. So outlawing certain types of guns, assault weapons, or whatever, is not going to stop bad people who don't care about laws from getting those weapons. The only thing you do is weaken their potential pool of victims. That's the only thing these types of laws do. And I'm disgusted that we have to have this conversation every time we have a terrible event like this. And instead of focusing on the behavior of the individual, we focus on what he used. He didn't use a an SUV to plow through people like the Waukesha Parade guy did. He didn't use knives the way the uh, murder in, in Idaho did. I'm just picturing, you know, naming a couple of recent events. Uh, he used a gun, so it's got to be the gun, 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 gun. TJ's in Cleveland. Hey, TJ, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, there's a lot of problems with this red flag law, but one of the glaring problems is, I'll give you a hypothetical. You have a household with four adults, mother, father, two adult children. One gets targeted with the red flag law. They come in and they confiscate all the guns in the home. Now, you just didn't crap on their right. You crapped on three other people's rights, you know, to defend their home. And and that's... uh, and, and then another thing that bothers point. me, remember about a month ago in California, they had that execution mm. murder, six people in a family just executed? Uh, yes. Yeah, and uh, they think it's linked to a Mexican drug cartel that did this uh, uh, killing. A 10-month-old baby was executed, shot in the head. Now, you hear nothing out of the media or the Democrats about these shootings like that, because that doesn't fit their narrative. Six people slaughtered, executed in their home, by possibly a Mexican drug cartel, maybe possibly come across the border illegally. They can't cover that because, boy, that would make Potato Head Joe look kind of bad, wouldn't it? Absolutely right. Of course, but you you can't talk about that part of it. Go ahead. Or, or, or Why aren't we hearing much about, I heard on the news last night, in New York City, somebody in a U-Haul truck started mowing people down on a sidewalk. We're not hearing a whole lot about that. That's the reason I brought up the Waukesha case, because now there was another one. That is exactly correct. Uh, uh, One dead and eight injured yesterday in New York City as somebody got into a U-Haul truck and plowed through pedestrians and bicyclists, swerving onto the sidewalks to get as many people as he possibly could. Nobody screaming about the weapon used here. Nobody is talking about we need to ban trucks, ban SUVs, obviously, because that would be stupid. The SUV didn't do it. The driver did it. But they're so quick to say, what kind of a gun did he use? we got to ban that. Not, you know, not, not acknowledging it was the shooter who did it, not the gun itself. 
And didn't Tim McVeigh use a U-Haul truck to blow up the Oklahoma Federal Building? His was a now, rider, I think. I think his now, was a yellow rider truck, but yeah. yeah. But where do, where, <laughs> yeah, where do they stop uh, with these red flag laws? Maybe they'll come up next, like if you rent uh, a rider or a U-Haul, uh, and somebody does an anonymous tip. Well, we got to do a check on this. You, you yeah, got to pass it. You got to pass a psychiatric uh, uh, test to, rent, yeah, to find to out you're okay. Truck. To rent a truck. Yeah, I mean, I know, it's, it's 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 it sounds stupid because it is stupid, but it's no more stupid than what they're doing. Obviously, here when it comes to red flag laws in the Second Amendment. TJ, thanks, brother. I got to hit it uh, real quick. Uh, the driver was arrested, by the way, in New York City yesterday. Taken to a police station, identified as Wang Soar, 62. Uh, a troubled man with a history of harmful behavior and several stints behind bars. So he's a troubled man who is um, a criminal, an ex-con. Uh, Police Commissioner Keechent Sewell described this as a violent rampage. Uh, nine people struck by the vehicle ranged in age from 30 to 66. All of the victims, strangely, were men. One of them was a police officer. The 44-year-old man who was killed suffered a head injury. When he was hit by the truck, uh, he died roughly a half hour after it struck, um, uh, or after the uh, driver struck his first victim. Uh, the truck's winding route ended when a police cruiser cut it off and blocked it against a building. So, okay, so there you have it again. What are we talking about? Nine people. Nine people. One killed, eight injured. In East Lansing, eight people. Three killed, five injured. What, what are the similarities? What are the differences? Obviously, the similarities are that two very disturbed individuals tried to kill people. The differences are one used a truck or a a rented truck. The other one used a gun. Why are we going to focus on the gun? I'll be right back. Nine fifty-eight. real quick, before the top of the hour news, Peter Kersenow on the other side, by the way. Got a great message here from the politically incorrect mechanic, my buddy Charlie in uh, in Lakewood, reminding me of this. Places in and cities and states that have red flag laws, red flag laws, the ones that we're talking about here that Clay Higgins was just discussing. Highland Park, Illinois, Buffalo, New York, San Jose, California, Indianapolis, Indiana, Boulder, Colorado. They all have red flag laws. Guess what else those places have in common? They've all had mass shootings. So apparently red flag laws, not the panacea that the left hopes they would be. Apparently red flag laws are not going to stop mass shootings. And once again, I will remind you, red flag laws also happen to be completely and wholly, not a little bit, but wholly unconstitutional. Thank you, Charlie. Great message. Appreciate that. We'll take a time out here for news. We'll come back, get the thoughts of Peter Kersenow. He's going to talk mass shootings, going to talk about balloons overhead, and also train wrecks that are being ignored by the Biden administration. That's all coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. So the uh, victims are still being tended to. Five of them are in critical condition. Three of them are deceased, and they're already worried about the politics. Not the victims, not the families. It's immediately, let's go get the guns. Those Republicans have blood on their hands again. It's amazing how the same narrative just continues to repeat itself time after time after time. Of course, we speak this morning of um, uh, East Lansing, Michigan, on the campus of Michigan State University. Let's bring in our good friend and regular Tuesday commentator, Peter Kersenow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, uh, best-selling author, a columnist, a lawyer, and, uh, and of course, the host of the Kersenow Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, good morning. Hey, Bob. So, you know, as I said, uh, Pete, in the intro, um, it, it's it, it, they're they're not even pretending. I I don't think anymore to care about the actual victims. There is a there are political points to be scored here, and they immediately started being scored uh, with the press conference held by the governor Gretchen Whitmer this morning, along with uh, rep- uh, state senator, uh, uh, congressional representatives. And others, red flag laws, Republican resistance, Republicans not wanting to give up guns. This is a uniquely American problem because of America's infatuation with guns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, Pete, I said earlier on, and I want to get your thoughts on this, the focus on the guns this morning in the very recent aftermath of this terrible shooting, the focus on the guns this morning is very easy for them to do because they don't have to focus on the shooter. And that's because the shooter wasn't a straight, white, Christian, or maybe Latin Catholic mass attending male. Um, it was a black male, 43 years old. Therefore, that element of the discussion is gone. We don't get to talk about the motive because it isn't a white male. It's a black male, so now we can focus solely on the guns. The Democrats are nothing if not predictable. And you say what? I agree with all that, and they're very agile. Uh, it's all about the politics. If they were so concerned about violence, then you would think that Democrat-controlled cities would have a much better record related to all all types of crimes, but specifically violent crimes. But if you take a look at the stats, the census, you find that Democrat-controlled cities um, are the cities that have the worst crime rates by far. And some of those cities, many of them, have the strictest gun control laws around. You know, it's almost trite to even talk about Chicago at this point. We talk about it so much, and you have Lori Lightfoot, who's a complete idiot, talking about the need for stricter gun controls when, heck, they've got extraordinarily strict gun controls in Chicago, but it's a shooting gallery. And then right across the border in Indiana, there's no problems, even though they ha- they don't have those types of gun control laws. Uh, this is, um, you know, the, the politicization of this by the Democrats is really despicable. It is in their precincts where much of this occurs, and it occurs because of some of their stupider policies, some of their stupider ones, not the stupidest, but the stupider ones, where you've got their prosecutors simply letting people out of jail, the type of people who would be committing crimes of violence, whether with a firearm or otherwise. They, they know full well that this is a country that has a Second Amendment. That's not going to stop. We're going to have a Second Amendment. Sure, they're going to try to pass as many laws as they can, hoping 
that they can constrain that amendment as much as possible. But that's going to be a difficult proposition because the Second Amendment is pretty clear about these things. The United States has right now, depending upon which census you look at, and it's been a while since I've looked at it, so there's probably been an increase, but about 390 million firearms in private hands, 390 million. No matter how many laws they pass, none of those, or an insubstantial number of those guns are going away. There's still going to be hundreds of millions of guns. What needs to be concentrated on is the kind of toxic environments that create shooters like this. These aren't ordinary people going around. That's the problem. And they don't want to do that because they know it is, there's a direct line between Democrat, not Democrat, between progressive policy between the kind of toxic cultures that they inculcate and the kind of crimes we see right now. And those policies, the most recent policies, of course, are the, you can't even call them soft on crimes. They promote crime when they have their prosecutors and others letting murderers out. They don't even have bail for these people. And you're exactly right, Bob, that when they found out that the shooter was a black male, they had to shift narratives immediately. That really caused them incalculable pain, no doubt. They really were hoping, and I don't mean to be besmirching all Democrats, but there are certain ones that really were hoping that when they woke up and found out about this, that their stereotypic narrative would be validated, and it didn't happen. But nonetheless, this is a horrible, tragic situation. What bothers me is I don't even want to talk about this at this point. I wish we could just go ahead and heal and do the things necessary to make sure that the victims are okay and the okay. But it was the Democrats who right away come out and try to, try to politicize it. We can't even have a normal period of human healing before they start politicizing this. Yep. And Gretchen Whitmer is just... Uh, it's just really disappointing that uh, Tudor Dixon didn't win. Um, I agree with that. You know, Pete, let, not- me, let, me, let me jump in here to get into more on the, the, uh, uh, the attempt here to, to, to focus on the weapons. Um, and some will say we're not just focused on the weapons, we're focused on the behaviors. That's what red flag laws do. Uh, we're going to read a little bit of the coverage of this because it, it's right in your wheelhouse, being the constitutional uh, authority that you are. A tip from a, for, from a member of the public. This is Fox News reporting. A tip from a member of the public led Lansing law enforcement to the man who opened fire on Michigan, Michigan State University, killing three students and critically wounding five more. Anthony McCrae, 43, was located shortly after the on-campus shooting. It was found to have died from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound in an off-campus area within hours. Quote, it was a caller's tip that led law enforcement to that suspect in the city of Lansing, end quote, said Deputy Chief Chris Rosman this morning. So the reason I bring that up, Pete, of course, is what the left will say is, see, the call, the tip, led law enforcement to him. Now, obviously, it was too late, but that's what they say will work going forward, that calls and tips from people who are dangerous like him could have disarmed him before he went to campus. And that opens up the question, of course, of the constitutionality of pre-crime actions by law enforcement. Can law enforcement uh, agents uh, constitutionally decide somebody is going to commit a crime and go and take their weapons from them ahead of time? 
Um, the, the, I, I feel like that violates every aspect of due process and every aspect of our constitutional rights to unreasonable search and seizures and, on, and, and so many more things. But their argument is, look, the tip led them to him, and maybe that would have led them to him a little bit earlier if that tip had been called in earlier and they could have taken the guns away from him. So, Pete, your constitutional authority, yeah, how, yeah, how do you well, weigh that? There are, there are constitutional issues here, there are statutory issues here, there are common sense issues here. First of all, you've got a Second Amendment. Now, remember this, and you know, you have debates about this ad infinitum, and you've got good conservatives and, um, you know, progressives who are uh, operating in good faith who have different arguments about this, and we should have these arguments. But there's something called a Second Amendment that says a well-regulated militia, militia being necessary to secure security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean an absolute right. That doesn't mean that there aren't things that a, the state can do with respect to the regulation of firearms, all right? But confiscation of firearms or preventing people from having firearms is not one of them. Confiscation can occur if there is a probable cause. If you meet a predicate, that is, you know, and it's, that's a, it's not an easy predicate to meet, but you have to show that something is about to happen, something is imminent going to happen. And then at that point, to prevent a crime where you can see it happening, it's coming down the road, at that point, you can restrain and confiscate the, the firearm. But you can't go around willy-nilly and simply say, well, you know what, we've got a guy over here who's been convicted. Uh, he hasn't uh, been convicted in the last five years, three years, two years, one year, six months, but nonetheless, he's been convicted. So we are going to put the, you know, um, scarlet letter on him. He may not have a firearm. That doesn't work. Now, there's certain prescriptions that can be imposed. There's no doubt about that. There's some latitude. The courts have talked about that. The Supreme Court has permitted, has permitted certain restrictions. But this is a fairly clear amendment. Um, you, we can't do this willy-nilly. And um, for the, the Democrats want to prey on a motion to try to mold change, revise the Second Amendment, and that's not going to happen. They, Bob, I really think they'd prefer a talking point than they would a solution. So they've got a Second Amendment. They're going to have to attack the Second Amendment. There are certain Second Amendment uh, absolutists, absolutists on the left also who, who don't want the Second Amendment, want to repeal it. That's not going to happen. Will not happen. No, you're, well, you're exactly right. And I think what you just said is profound. Uh, they would prefer a talking point to a solution. If we ever got a solution to, you know, out of control, quote unquote, gun violence, I don't even like the term gun violence because the guns, again, they do not unholster themselves. They do not come out of their own lock cases. They are used by people. They commit the violence, but, uh, rather than the weapons. But nonetheless, they would rather than have a solution to the out-of-control gun violence, continue to have the shootings happen so they can continue to use them to attack Republicans. Because that's exactly what they did this morning. You turn on MSNBC, not that I turn it on, but I find the uh, the clips. You turn on MSNBC and, uh, uh, you know, Scarborough and uh, and uh, Mika and, the, and, and their guests around there continuing to say Republicans have blood on their hands. Republicans won't allow these things, uh, common-sense gun reform, to be done. By the way, you notice, uh, Pete, uh, this, uh, this story is already, you know, several hours old and they haven't talked about the type of gun. And I think that's probably a guarantee 
that there's no AR being used here. There's no quote-unquote assault weapon, as they like to call uh, you know, the AR-15. He was probably just using handguns. Because otherwise, same thing with the race. If it was a black male, or excuse me, a white male, this would be all over it. They would be all over it. And if it was an AR, they'd be all over it. But the fact that they, this is a black male, and they're not talking about the type of gun means it's probably not an assault weapon as they define it. And thus, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Biden's talking points later today won't be valid. Right. You're exactly right, Bob. You hit a nail on the head. Um, what we have here, they're going to calibrate to their comments according to the situation. A lot of the things that they hope would happen didn't happen. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not talking about all Democrats here or all progressives, but there is a cohort that really just likes the idea of all the boxes, all of the talking point boxes being checked when a situation like this happens. It wasn't checked because we don't have a white male, as you indicated, we have a black male. It wasn't checked because we don't have an AR-15, we've got a handgun instead. Uh, it, you know, there are so many different things that they would like to have a talking point on that they don't. So, but they're very adept. They'll switch. No matter what, they want a cudgel to beat the right with. That's the real aim here. And again, when you get down to what connects, even if you grant them, their arguments, which we would never do. We don't grant their arguments. Don't give them an inch because they will take a mile. But from the standpoint of polemics, if we're discussing this among ourselves, I say again, we've nearly 400 million weapons, 76 million at bare minimum are rifles, 64 million are shotguns. They're not handguns. They are used for hunting and personal protection and, frankly, for sport, for target practice. But handguns in the main are used for personal protection. And when the Democrats are talking about defunding police when we have spikes in crime directly related to defunding the police and the lax prosecution of criminals who are already committing crimes at a record pace. We want to make sure that we can protect ourselves because what's the old adage? I can't remember what it was when, um, you know, when seconds um, are, are, you know, when, when seconds when, uh, count, the police are minutes away. Exactly right. Exactly right. The most fundamental human right is the right of self-defense, and they want to strip it from us because they are all about stripping us of rights. Very, very, very well said and very accurate. Pete, we'll take a time out here. It's 1022. We're going to come back. We're going to talk, talk about the violation of sovereign airspace, who's doing it, why, and why is the Biden administration not being transparent about what it is they're shooting down. we got chemical uh, smoke and uh, toxic clouds in the air in East Palestine, and apparently Pete Buttigieg just now found out about it uh, a, long, a long time later. And then we're also going to talk about a new name in the presidential race. A video was leaked this morning, even though she was going to make her announcement official tomorrow. But we'll get your thoughts on that as well. Peter Kirsten now continues with us on Always Right Radio right after this. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. 
Interesting strategy there by Nikki Haley in the uh, apparent video slash uh, audio announcement that was leaked because she said she was going to make her official announcement on the 15th. But that one came out this morning some way or another. It hurts more when you kick back with heels. Peter Kersenow, your thoughts on Nikki Haley as a GOP primary candidate? Uh, I'll cut to the chase. She doesn't have a chance, but I'm not sure that that's the aim here. I don't mean to be flippant about Nikki Haley. Uh, She had a good record as a governor in South Carolina. She's not my kind of conservative necessarily. I mean, I will take her over any Democrat in a heartbeat. I think we can do better. She's she's competent. She's smart. Uh, I think she has a good heart and good will. Um, I don't think she is what we need right now, and I, and I don't think she has a broad appeal in the, in the Republican Party, a broad enough appeal in the Republican Party to overcome uh, the two frontrunners. I mean, this is going to come down to, unless there's some cataclysm, it's going to come down to DeSantis and Trump. Um, you know, maybe she's laying the groundwork for something beyond that. I don't think so. I think she truly wants to. She's been talking about it for a while, at least, you know, Sato Voce. I mean, she, she's been talking about it quietly for some time. She had a decent record, as I said, in South Carolina. But uh, personally, um, she is not necessarily my cup of tea. I, I just think we need a stronger conservative and somebody who, at this moment in the American uh, life cycle, somebody who is very, very strong conservative, a rock-ribbed conservative, somebody who does not bend to the media and progressives. That's one of the reasons why Trump did so spectacularly well in 2016, because the -the run-of-the-mill kind of standard-issue Republicans weren't getting the job done. And I'm not saying she's standard-issue or some kind of anodyne person, but she doesn't have at least I have not seen it yet, despite the comment about kicking them with heels. I have not seen that type of fire in the belly that they talk about very often when it goes against, when it comes to going against progressives. Um, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I, I, I may disagree that it's going to come down to two men, um, and that would be Trump and DeSantis, because I kind of find myself realizing that Ron DeSantis is just another one of a group of candidates if there is indeed a group of candidates in other words there's going to be the trump base which is still massive and there's going to be the anti-trump base not never trumpers but people who were trump supporters who are now just really really put off by his petulant childlike behavior his increasing democrat style attacks on desantis they're put off big time and they're in the the anti-trump camp but not the never trump camp And if that anti-Trump camp contains DeSantis and Haley and Pompeo and Pence, potentially, and Tim Scott, and on down the line we go, obviously the anti-Trump base is split. And, And the only way Ron DeSantis would have a chance of winning the nomination is if they all coalesced and every anti-Trump voter supported him because the pro-Trump voters are so so large uh, and so so devout in their support of President Trump, anything short of uh, an equal offering for one other man is going to be pointless, and Donald Trump will easily skate to the nomination. Yeah, that's a splendid analysis. My point is that I think the two people left standing to battle it out in March and uh, April of the primaries are going to be DeSantis and Trump. I think everybody else is going to fall by the wayside. I will tell you this, that I I become increasingly impressed with Mike Pompeo. Um, But still, I don't think at the end of the day he's got a chance. But you know what? That's why we have campaigns. That's why we've got another two years to make a decision. Well, probably much less than that, but we've got 
more than a year in which to make a decision. There's going to be debates, there's going to be campaigns, and we'll find out who's left standing. I do think that uh, the fire in the belly that you talk about, there's no doubt that Trump has it. I think there's very little doubt that DeSantis has it. And I think those are going to be the, the final two left standing. Pete, um, I'm glad to hear you say you're a fan of Pompeo. I am too, and nobody else that I say that to responds with anything more than a yawn. Uh, they don't. They don't think much of him at all, or at least they haven't thought about him at all. And um, and I think that's a problem because I think he's tremendous. I think he's brilliant. I think he'd be a great leader. I don't think he has a chance, but I really, really wish he did because he's terrific. And I'm glad to hear you see it that way too. It's 10:30. We'll take a time out here, Pete. We'll come back talk more about this and about sovereign airspace and what it means. On AM 1420, The Answer. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 1039 now, Always Right Radio, continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Our friend Peter Kersenow is with us uh, I just like hearing him talk, so Pete, I'm going to uh, let you hear from uh, Senator John Kennedy in Louisiana on the uh, question we were just discussing uh, about Nikki Haley's candidacy. Well, I, I don't know Governor Hanley. I've met her. I think she's going to have to um, to do a little more than just say, I'm young. Um, I, I think competition makes all of us better. I think you'll see other people get in the race. But they need to talk straight up to the American people, uh, tell them what they believe, don't lie. Uh, if they've changed their mind on something, explain why they changed their mind. But more important, tell us what they would propose in their first uh, 100 days or one year in office. Yep. And don't just complain. And, you know, I think a lot of people, this is very early, obviously, that was just her opening one minute and 37 second video or 36 second video announcing her candidacy. She's uh, she's going to get into all of those things, as they all are going to have to do. I think Kennedy's right. But there are. There are a lot of people. I think that are going to get in this race who are just saying Trump is old. You know, remember, if Donald Trump is our nominee, we wipe Joe Biden's age off of the table in terms of a talking point. We can't talk about an 80-year-old if we're going to be nominating somebody who's going to be 80 uh, in his uh, second or third year in office uh, of this term. So you have to come with more than just uh, Donald Trump is old, his ideas are old, even though they were great when he did them. We need a fresh face. We need a fresh look, blah, blah, blah. Nikki Haley will provide that. A lot of the other younger candidates are going to provide that. They're going to have to come stronger than that to differentiate themselves uh, from President Trump. And, and Pete, I think that's what's going to be one of the hardest things to do, is how much do you want to differentiate yourself from President Trump? From a policy standpoint, uh, uh, as well as a personality standpoint. The personality is obvious, but I think almost everybody's going to say, hey, America First worked. The policies themselves worked. We're going to do those, but we're just younger and better and more articulate at this than he is right now. Yeah, it's not just the policies, Bob, as you know. Um, there's some daylight, but not a lot, between the policies of those people who are expected to run and Donald Trump. Um, but in the main, most of them ascribe to the same things. It's really, and, and personality obviously speaks for itself. We, we know Trump's personality, but that's part of the real issue here. It's not just policy, but approach. 
Americans still, in 2016, they were, you know, there's all kinds of explanations for why Trump was elected, but one of them, at least in terms of Republican primary voters, was that we were tired of the same old, same old. We were tired of the status quo. We were tired of the beltway type of Republicans who were going along with the Democrats just a little bit less. In other words, okay, we'll go along with uh, open borders, but we want just a little bit less. We'll go along with increases in taxes, but just a little bit less. Trump had a radically different approach, and that's what really appealed. It was not just his policies, but his attitude toward them. He conveyed an attitude where it's no longer business as usual. There's a new sheriff in town, and I'm not putting up with the old boy network. I'm a complete outsider, and I think people are still hungry for that, probably even more so now that we see the incompetence of the Biden administration. I don't think age is that much of an issue as it is vigor and competence, because Biden, yeah, he's old, but look at Trump. Trump has got more energy than your average 30-year-old. So, yeah, they'll talk a little bit about age, but I don't think that that's going to be the distinguishing factor between, a, say, a Trump and a Biden or th- that, that somehow eliminates that talking point. I don't think at all. Uh, the longer we see Biden in office, the longer we see him shuffling around uh, looking forlorn and, and out of place, misremembering things, calling people different names, um, I think the more we understand that this has little, yes, it's a function of age, possibly, but Biden was never the brightest bulb in the Senate. I've said this to you before. I remember the first time appearing before him. I was astonished by how feeble-minded he was. Uh, He was vigorous, but he had no clue what was going on. Uh, And I'm not saying that to be pejorative. I'm not saying that simply because I'm opposed to his policies. I'm not a progressive. I'm saying that as objective fact. Uh, This is not somebody who should be anywhere near the Oval Office. Trump, on the other hand, has got, you know, everyone knows what the talking points against Trump are. Not the Democratic talking points, but the never-Trumper talking points. And that is he's rough around the edges. He's not just rough around the edges, though. He's becoming an ass. What well, he's doing, you know, what he's doing to Ron DeSantis yeah. is Democrat. Uh, you no, and I no, no, talked that, about this last no, week. I think yep, you know where he's sure calling did. him a groomer, just like um, just like it was done to Callahan when he not or Callahan Kavanaugh, beg your pardon, uh, when he uh, when he nominated him. I mean, he's acting like a Democrat, and when you act like right. a Democrat, you lose Republicans, except for uh, the it's, most it's do- loyal diehards. Exactly, Bobby. It's perplexing and, and infuriating to me. Look, I want, uh, I would love to have a reprise of Trump and his policies and his aggression. But when he went after this, this is not the first time. I remember the first time I think you and I talked about his going after DeSantis. I was completely blown away. And I know talking to a lot of staunch conservatives who had been Trump reporters, Trump supporters, they were angry about it. it you know, it's not just a breach of Ronald Reagan's uh, 11th commandment, you know, it's, it's the manner in which you went out of it. And it was, it was frankly, I, I, I didn't understand. It hurts him. Even among his staunchest supporters, it hurts him. It's a, it's a, it's a self own. And I don't understand why he does it. And, but he's had a penchant for doing that. Yeah. I do think that you take the good and the bad when it comes with Trump. You know that that part of his personality also is the type of thing that impels him to do the things that we love about him. But I think a lot of people have come to the conclusion that, you know, DeSantis is kind of like a Trump, but without the rough edges. And as we just talked about earlier, I think Pompeo has hardly any rough edges and has the same policy prescriptions. I think what, again, I love Pompeo. Uh, I'd love to see him as the standard bearer for the Republican Party. I do think, however, that, you know, there's a, and look, 
the guy, number one at West Point, the whole thing, he's, he's bright and also he served his country and all that. But um, I think when you contrast him with a Trump, he doesn't look like he will meet the aggression level that a lot of Trump supporters want to see from their candidate against progressives. Yeah, um, you know, and as far as DeSantis goes about uh, not having the rough edges, the nice thing, the great thing, I think the reason a lot of people support him, myself included, is that he is adhering to Reagan's 11th commandment. He right. is adhering. He he will not attack Trump back. He says, I'm too busy trying to take on and undo the damage Joe Biden has done to my state in Florida. He's very caref- careful, by the way, to keep you know mentioning, I'm running Florida, not anything else. Not running for anything else, by the way, right now. But um, he's very careful to say, I'm worried too much about Biden to be worrying about what anybody else says. And I think that's great. Same thing with Pompeo. He will not attack another Republican. Donald Trump will, and I think that's a huge, huge turnoff for a lot of people. I agree. I agree. Myself included. So, uh, okay, Pete, let's let's get into the air uh, because obviously this is extraordinarily important. I spent a great deal of time talking about this yesterday. I talked about it with Gordon Chang last week. Who says, you know, the first uh, uh, balloon that was allowed to go eight days across the United States before they did anything about it uh, was clearly a trial balloon by the Chinese, which continues to build up its military uh, at a faster pace than they have at any time since World War II. And uh, that they're preparing, this is what Gordon Chang told me, they're citizens for war. Not just their military, but their citizens as well. Since that day, uh, that first one where it was shot down, there have been three more. And the Biden administration is the opposite of transparent. They won't even tell us what they're shooting down. In fact, they wouldn't even call them balloons. They were saying they're objects. We're using the word object for a reason because we don't know what they are. It had press reporters saying, do you think they might be extraterrestrial? Because you're not giving us any details. What does that tell you, Pete? It tells me that they're lying. It tells me that they're disingenuous. They would never give a shoot-down order unless they were 99% sure of what it was. And it's not difficult to ascertain what it was. From the sophisticated surveillance techniques that we have now, you can be fairly certain of what it was. But what if you made a mistake and shot down uh, something that was carrying passengers? They would never do that. that. That's an impossibility. And on top of that, when they shoot things down, except when they're using a missile, they've got eyes on from individual pilots who will verify what's going on. That's bullcrap, and the fact that we are allowing this, or the major media allows themselves to be lied to like this on a regular basis, really tells you about substantial, profound institutional failure on a whole host of levels. This is our government. They don't get to lie to us with impunity and repeatedly lie on matters of national security, our own sovereign airspace. Now, there are certain things that the government, because of you know, uh, certain protocols, certain consequences, the fact that they're actually trying to protect the United States of America rather than the government itself, yeah, you keep certain things secret without, that, without question. You don't want our adversaries to know about these things. But this kind of stuff doesn't make any sense. You know, techniques that we use to shoot things down, they don't have to tell us how they found things out, but they have to tell us what was over our airspace. And it's really telling that a a balloon traverses the entire expanse of the United States, especially some of the most sensitive areas. They don't even acknowledge it for a considerable period of time. Finally, after it goes across the entire continental United States, they shoot it down, and now all of a sudden, they are shoot-down happy. I mean, they're shooting down everything in the world, geese, you name it. They're shooting everything in the world, which tells you that the first time was a profound error. And I don't mean to say error in, in terms of they didn't know what they were doing or they just made an inadvertent mistake. It was it was a miscalculation on their part and 
if we had a media that was awake and not completely corrupt, they would be asking the same questions of Biden that they repeatedly asked of a Trump or about a Trump when they had absolutely no basis for asking these questions about the latter. We have tons of evidence that implicates Biden and his son in getting money from foreign powers, including China, millions of dollars. Yet when China gets all kinds of perks, buying up 300,000 acres of our land, sending balloons here and there, I mean, all kinds of things, nobody, not one enterprising reporter, nobody who would like to see if they could get a Pulitzer Prize, of course, it wouldn't be reported to, uh, awarded to them because it has nothing to do adverse to conservatives, but nobody asks these questions, and the public, as a result, the public is, is desperate for this information. They want to know, you know, whether you are conservative or liberal, you want to know what's going on in the airspace above your country. This is serious stuff, yet they don't provide us with this, and it's the ultimate accountability. Yeah, there are checks and balances in government. There's the Senate. There's, you know, you can have House oversight and everything else like that. But the most immediate check and balance is the populace informed by their media. And when you have a corrupt media, there's no accountability. Well, uh, you're 100% right about that. And there is no accountability because the media does give him a pass and them a pass on virtually everything they do, they, that they do. Pete, just a, a second or two longer on the part I mentioned about uh, what Gordon Chang told me. Um, he really believes, and you know that there was at least one general who it was confirmed by the Pentagon, he does not speak for official Pentagon or Biden administration policy when he says that we can expect to be in some kind of a war with China by yep. 2025. Um, but Gordon Chang did mention their buildup and did mention Taiwan and uh, the impact on our economy and the global economy, quite frankly, if Taiwan, which produces right. the overwhelming majority for whatever reason of the semiconductors that are so important in virtually every electronic uh, piece of technology that we have, including our cars, um, that if Taiwan goes into, or excuse me, if China goes into Taiwan, we are going to fight China there, whether it's by proxy or or you know face to face. We're going to have to arm the Chinese to the t- or the uh, Taiwanese to the teeth, maybe even more so than we have to the Ukrainians. We're going to have to do everything we can to stop them from essentially taking uh, Taiwan over. Do you see it that way? And do you fear a war with China? And do you think China yeah. is indeed testing our resolve right now? I, you know, Gordon Chang's the expert on this, but I read him intensely, and I read other, much other uh, <clears throat> material with respect to China, and have been for years and years and years, because they are clearly, they have uh, exceeded being merely characterized as an adversary. They're an enemy. There's no doubt about that, and they are setting the stage for ultimate global supremacy. Uh, I do think, and I said this on your show a few years ago, I thought that uh, if we had a Biden or some other Democrat elected, that we could, we'd be very close to having a shooting war regarding Taiwan. I think Taiwan sees that they've got a window of opportunity with Biden. Uh, That window of opportunity only lasts for another couple of years. Now, they may not engage in a shooting war, but they're going to try to advance their interests in Taiwan if that includes a shooting war, I wouldn't be surprised. I do think when, you know, you read Gordon Chang, and which I do, I read everything he, they, they writes, and I tend to agree with him, but I read other, you know, you look at Jane's Defense Weekly and, and other places like that, that provide, you know, a little bit of information about this. China's preferred strategy is to fight without shooting. That is, to make the conditions on the ground such that, you know what, game over anyway, capitulate, and the United States really doesn't have an effective means by which to defend Taiwan. I think that's what their primary objective is, but I don't think they have any reticence 
in fighting a shooting war. And that two-year window of opportunity is fast closing. I think that if they're going to make an advance toward Taiwan, uh, now's the time. Because if we have a Trump back in office, every, you know, everybody knows this. All Republicans know this. The media won't talk about it. But we didn't have any wars under Trump. We had really no incursions under Trump because everyone uh, didn't know what he was going to do. They were afraid. They were scared to death that if they did something, Trump would nuke them. You know, that's kind of a good position to be in. Yes, it is. That was one of the things I loved about him. His unpredictability was a huge, huge uh, marker of our strength. I mean, exactly because they they, right. they 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 didn't know what this guy would do. They considered him a loose cannon and a nut. So so did Mark Milley, which is why he told China, by the way, if he shoots at you, I'll warn you ahead of time, which to me is flat-out treasonous. But the, the point being, yeah, China, uh, 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 Russia, North Korea, they were all terrified of anything Donald Trump may do. That's the one of the, one of the strongest selling points, I think, for putting him back in office. Yeah, uh, Bob, I hear the music, I think. I just want to make, make <laughs> a, a statement about, I'll be substituting for you on Friday. I appreciate the opportunity again. Uh, for the listeners, a substantial portion of Friday will be open line, so please call in. we got a lot to talk about. Awesome stuff, Pete, and I appreciate you doing that and, uh, and also keeping your slot today as well. Uh, very much appreciate your time with us. Uh, have a great show on Friday, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Peter Kersenow. It's 1054, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer, right back. Okay, 1058. Uh, thanks again to Peter Kersenow. Coming up after the top of the hour, we're going to talk to uh, Congressman Bob Latta. But I just want to follow up because you just heard that preborn uh, promotion. I'm looking at the webpage right now. You may or may not see it easily. The banner doesn't say preborn like in big letters. The banner on whkradio.com you'll see says ultrasounds prevent abortions. All right, that's uh, that's gonna it's it's part of the uh, uh, the header. It'll say ultrasounds prevent abortions, and when you click that, that takes you to the preborn uh, page where you can save babies' lives, save five babies by donating one hundred and forty dollars, save one baby by donating just twenty eight dollars. Think about all the disposable income you have this month. Think about all of the things. Think about uh, that you don't have to spend money on, but you choose to. It's disposable income. Think about how much better it could be used, uh, saving a baby's life. Just go to that banner that I said and click uh, ultrasounds prevent abortions and then uh, you'll be able to enter your credit card information right there in whatever amount that you choose and save babies lives it is remarkable and by the way if you want to do it by phone too if you don't have access to a computer that's okay 833-850-BABY 833-850-BABY save a baby's life help us reach that 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 ever important goal it's news time now, and on the other side, Congressman Bob Latta joins me on AM 1420 The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. You and I know... And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. 
Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now, eight minutes past 11 o'clock. Good Tuesday morning to you. Thanks to Peter Kirsten, now joined us last hour. Great stuff all the way around. As you heard him say, he'll be guest hosting for me on Friday as I take a little short trip. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy that. By the way, it's the 14th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2023. So happy Valentine's Day to you and your Valentine. Hope you have a nice day today. Do something special. So um, Peter and I talked at length about the um, the Chinese spy balloon, or spy craft, if you will, that was allowed to traverse the entire continental United States, coming down from over Alaska and Canada and then across the United States. Since then, three other balloons uh, or objects have been shot down, and the Biden administration simply will not tell us what they are or what they know. We've been led to believe that uh, with American technology, we can read you know, the time off of a wristwatch on something 60,000 feet into the air, but yet we can't figure out what these things are that we have shot down at 20,000? Uh, it begs the question, are our skies safe? Is China violating our sovereign airspace on a regular basis with an intent on figuring out what our response times and what our responses will be. So we're worried about what the Chinese are doing in our air, but our next guest is worrying about what the Chinese are doing with our ground. Quite literally, purchasing it and owning it for the purpose of what? Congressman Bob Ladd, Ohio 5. He's my new congressman, by the way. I cast a vote for him uh, just this past November. Of course, after the lines were redrawn, Jim Jordan was the congressman for this particular part of the state. But now it's Bob Latta, and he is sounding the alarm and, in fact, is introducing uh, a bill to stop the Chinese from purchasing so much American farmland. And he joins us now to tell us more on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman Latta, good to have you on the program. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me on this morning. My pleasure. Um, before we get onto the ground, let's let's go into the air because I think everybody in Washington, everybody who's representing the people in our Congress, has a right uh, and a responsibility to investigate and get answers to what on earth is happening and whether or not this is something that is going to continue. Uh, because as of the moment, the, we're not getting a whole lot of answers from the administration, from the executive side. What about from the legislative side? Do you have anything uh, that you can share with us about what we should know with respect to these four objects now that have been taken down? Well, thanks again for having me on. And I think it's important that uh, you know we get the answers because, first of all, you know we sit through a lot of briefings. And so I think I, I learned more by watching the news, listening to you, and reading the newspapers. But I think what you said a little bit earlier is what is the intention? First of all, we already know the, the big one that was shot down that was three boxcars long should have been uh, shot down before it even uh, crossed into American airspace uh, over by the Pacific and let, and let it drift across the country uh, is, a, is a bad sign to the communist Chinese. And I think it's always important to always say the word communist before Chinese. China is not a democracy. They're not a republic. Uh, they they uh, are you know do everything against human rights that you can think of, and so it's important that we always remember they are not our friend; they are an adversary. And so I think when you start seeing these reports, I read one early this morning 
that the uh, you know our NORAD uh, is pretty much saying that uh, they didn't have any way to even see that these things were coming in. So the question is, and again, this is all just speculation, is this really just testing our air defense to find out what we have? Because we always have to remember that the Chinese have been developed and have developed a hypersonic missile that uh, pretty much can hug the Earth that, instead of going up, which would be a, you know, a direct threat to the United States. So right off the bat, the question is, why are they, you know, if these are all, every one of these other ones are all Chinese balloons, or they just keep testing us to see, are we even seeing that they're even there? And so I think that's a, a real important point and a question that has to be answered. And I think that, as you see, that the Air Force now is taking uh, a lot more active stances, setting up uh, fighters to, to bring them down. But it still begs the question, especially with the big one, why did that thing float across this country for over a week and the Chinese had been laughing the entire time? Yeah, I completely concur. Um they were, and and it should have been shot down. Um, what are you guys going to do about it? Is there going to be any? Are there going to be oversight hearings? Are there going to be any? Is there going to be anything in judicial? I, I don't know what what committees yeah. would be responsible for this to say, hey, if we're not getting answers from uh, the president, we we need to get them from somebody. Well, there's a, a, spe- a special intel committee that uh, Mike Turner from Ohio is the chairman of. Mike also serves on uh, armed services. So those would be your two right off the bat would be, uh, and Mike also serves on armed services. I think he's the number two on armed services. So, you know, these are the the questions that have to be brought forward. And those are the ones that we, uh, you know, you go down. Anytime that we go into the big auditorium to get a briefing, I always say either everybody knew it five minutes before we went in or everybody's going to know it five minutes after we went <laughs> went into the thing. It just leaks like a sieve. But uh, so if you uh, go in the, the, the bowels of the the Capitol where the, where the real briefings are, are given, that's what's going to have to happen. But uh, the oversight's going to have to start because, again, you know, I'm not sure who started. I saw in the news yesterday at, a, at the White House press conference talking about aliens. You know, this, that's a joke. And we all know it's a joke, but who, I'm not sure who asked that question. It was a New York. It was a New York Times reporter, actually. I saw yeah, that too. So the New York it, Times is, 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 it just is it to help divert it? You know, make a joke out of it. And uh, you know, uh, no, they're not uh, green Martians coming here, but we do know they're most likely communist Chinese balloons that are testing our. Uh, I, I think you know your uh, air defense system to yep. figure out what what can get through and how and if it's even being noticed. I think that's a great point, and I do think they're trying to make a joke out of it. Uh, but either that or trying to say, look, if you guys aren't going to tell us what it is, then we will just go ahead and speculate a whole bunch of things to make you look silly until you give us the truth that we need to know. So hopefully Representative Turner and people in uh, Intel and Armed Services can get to the answer, uh, get to the bottom there and get us the answers we need. We're talking with Congressman Bob Lotto, Ohio 5. Uh, Congressman, let's talk about the ground now. The Chinese are once yep. again the subject, and you... Uh, you're trying to block them. First of all, explain the depth of the problem. I don't know that enough reporting is being done on this for the American people to uh, know exactly how much farmland is being purchased by Chinese and uh, Americans with Chinese interests um, for purposes that we can only surmise are to essentially own and prevent from being farmed in order to perhaps starve out the American people. Now, that might be a little bit uh, a little bit extreme, but um, what else are we to think? Can you tell us how deep the problem well, is of this uh, well, agricultural land being, being bought by the Chinese? 
Well, there's, it's, it's, it's multiple, in my opinion. First of all, you know, there's the thing that uh, once you lose control of your agriculture, that you can produce to feed yourself, you're done as a nation. And the United States has the greatest uh, ag producers out there. I tell you, our farmers, you know, morning, noon, and night, I was farmers yesterday, uh, that, they're working hard to make sure that uh, they, we have food on the table at a very, the cheapest prices anywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what what's happening with uh, communist China, of course, with their about 1.3 to 1.4 trillion, or, or uh, billion people, excuse me, that uh, you start looking uh, at their population. And what the Chinese are doing right now is, and a lot of people don't realize this, they're in South America, they're in Africa. And what they what they do is they say, hey, we'll put in your telecommunication systems for you. Oh, by the way, when you do that, we're, we need to get into your, uh, we, we get exclusive rights on your mineral rights to be able to bring up lithium and boron and, and pick the rare earth mineral that everybody has to have today if you want to have an EV. Then in certain other areas, it's just like, well, no, no, we'd like to also have a, a control over the agriculture areas in this area. And that, and that, of course, goes where? back to China. And, uh, you know, when you look at uh, uh, the soybean production in the world, and right now the, China, the communist Chinese get about 50, 55 percent of all their soybeans come from Brazil. The other uh, 33 percent uh, is U.S. soybeans that we ship over to them, and there's about 12 percent. But what the Chinese, you know, they're looking at, again, is saying, what can we do to control the land? And, again, we, you know, once they start, you know, like their Air Force bases, military bases, our radar systems, you know, and there's, a, you know, there's questions out there. Wait a minute. Do you really want them next to a military base where they can have access to all this right on the ground? And so, again, this is going like back to the balloon. You know, it floats where, and they had the ability to uh, maneuver this thing all over the country, and oddly enough, it's flying over military installations. So, again, uh, uh, they are not a friendly nation, and we have to remember that all the time. And, again, preserving our basic food source out there is the number one thing you want to make sure is that, you, that somebody can't come in here, like the Communist Chinese, and control our food. Congressman Lada, um, I'm, I'm looking at some of the research on this. Six states have laws banning foreign ownership right. of farmland. Um, obviously, we are a nation where states' rights uh, prevail. Um, are we suggesting with your proposed legislation that we take that away from the states and just uh, declare that foreign interests cannot buy American farmland? Well, you know, again, I think it has to be, it comes down to something else. Uh, you know, are they an adversarial uh, country? To the United States, to you know, our national defense, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the states that are, are, are acting out there have have acted correctly, and I think more states ought to, on their own start looking at it and saying that do we really want to have this occurring? You know, the other thing that we always have to remember is if you can't sleep at night, uh, just uh, go to your search engine and put a U.S. debt held by foreign countries. You can bring up the current spreadsheet from the United States Treasury. When you see that foreign countries have over seven trillion dollars of our debt, and the and the communist Chinese have over a trillion, and that's just in treasuries, pretty much you've got another trillion when you start looking at all the other federal paper out there. So you have about two trillion dollars. So it's often, you know, we're we're losing control on the monetary side because, of course, of the you know out of control federal spending, and then the and then you look at the the ground itself, and then you look at the air. 
And if Sarah's looking at this, it's just like, it's not a good situation. No, it's not, uh, Representative Lada. And um, I'm curious as to the bipartisan nature of this, or lack thereof. I literally don't know. I would think that there are precious few things that we could all agree on in this country, Republicans and Democrats. One should be the sovereignty of our land. I mean, the airspace we're discussing, but the land, particularly as it pertains to, as you say, you know, foreign combatants or foreign enemies, whatever you want to refer to, countries like China that are not necessarily in in our good graces. I would think that everybody would say it's a bad idea to let the Chinese purchase farmland that can disrupt our food and our supply chain and starve us out. And, as you say, buying farmland near military bases where they can, uh, you know, carry out Lord only knows what kind of espionage activities. Um, I would think everybody is for this. So tell me, what are you hearing from the Democrat side uh, since you've made this proposal? Well, you know, I think if you go down the line, I, I back up a hair. Because something else we've had to do in this country, the communist Chinese, you know, with one of their companies out there called uh, Huawei. Uh, is a telecommunication. I'm the, I'm the rank, I'm the, uh, the, uh, committee, uh, subcommittee chairman on communications and technology on energy and commerce. Mm-hmm. And we've got a, what we call a rip and replace going on right now because it's an untrusted network. And so now we've got, we're going to pay billions of dollars to get rid of this stuff because we don't know that it's got, uh, cyber concerns in a lot of cases. So it's got to all get out of our, our communication system. We got to, you know, again, uh, you know, we, uh, Republicans and Democrats agreed on that. We, you know, you listen to the Democrats out there. Listen, listen to Senator Tester from Montana, the Democrat. He sure wasn't happy about having that balloon over Montana. And so I think that, that you know, the I, I think there's a slow wake up going on out there. Saying, wait a minute, we got a real problem here with with the communist Chinese. They are not our friends. And you know, when companies wanted to go to China, if you didn't give them your technology, you weren't coming in. So I think that. You know, there's a, there's a real shift out there, and I think that the members in the House and the Senate realize that, and, and at the same time, they don't want, I, I just can't believe that anybody would say, yeah, it's okay for the Chinese to buy an our land. No, I, I concur, and you're right about Tester, and um, and I would just hope that this is, like I said, one of the very select few things that everybody can agree upon. Um, I'm interested to hear more response from Democrats, and even from Democrats in the media or progressives in the media, because I think would, uh, you know, the one thing that has united us in the past, even if we have our divisions politically and ideologically, Representative Lada, in the past it has been uh, strikes or actions taken by foreign bad actors that unite us together to say, whoa, you know, whether it's something like a 9-11 or something like a Pearl Harbor or something like something, uh, you know, a softer attack on our on our um, uh, heartland, uh, like we're talking about here. It's usually something that brings us together is the presence of outside bad actors coming after us. Well, you're absolutely correct. In, in, in this case, though, we want, to, we want to act before something bad happens. And so we want to get this done prior. So, you know, we're protecting ourselves now. You know, they always say... The, the, the best defense is a good offense. And right. so you don't want to have to be playing catch up here. We want to be doing it now, not later. Completely concur. Well, I'm glad you are pushing forward with this. Uh, it's extraordinarily important, this move to block China from purchasing this uh, American farmland. I cannot believe anybody would support it, but uh, meaning support China in this endeavor. Hopefully they will support your bill to block this. Uh, keep us posted on that, sir. Keep up the good work, and hopefully we can check in again with you soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much, and have a great day. You do the same. Thank you. That's Bob Latta. He is Ohio 5. That's my congressman. And uh, 
Uh, he's right about this. Foreign nationals associated with the Chinese Communist Party should not be allowed to invest or in or purchase American farmland, period. Allowing one of our greatest adversaries to snatch up farmland is a dangerous trend that not only has national security implications, but threatens the security of our food supply, for goodness sakes. And this is this is extraordinary, and I would hope that this bill uh, to stop that would uh, would get nationwide support from uh, from both parties. Eleven twenty four, always right radio, right back. Okay, it's eleven twenty eight. Uh, after the bottom of the hour news, we're going to talk to uh, Rob Walgate. Our friend from the Ohio Roundtable and uh, the AP Roundtable. Rob's parents live nine miles from the site of the train crash in uh, uh, East Palestine that has led to that toxic cloud. They can see it every day from their home. Uh, that toxic cloud that continues to hover over that area. We're not getting a lot of answers from the government. We're going to try to get them from Rob and see what his parents are reporting from a first-hand perspective. That'll be after the news. Pete in North Royalton, you're up now on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Pete. Go ahead, sir. Hello, Bob. Thank you for what you do, sir. I just want to—I can't understand what the Republican parties and the Democratic parties have done for the past 40 years. They've supported and built the Chinese Communist Party. They've—they've—they've—they've given them under— Bill, I'm so upset, sir, forgive me. Bill Clinton gave them the directions on how to make satellites. Bushes, Clintons, Obamas, they've all done this, sir. They built communist China, and now they're selling them our, our land, our farmland. Is this Rome? This is being, this is a, this, they're, they're killing us from within, sir. What are we to do? What, 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 what are they doing now? Well, what they better be doing uh, is passing a law. And, and by the way, it's it's interesting that I just had that conversation with Bob Lada about his uh, bill to ban the uh, the sale of, of of our farmland, our agricultural land, to foreign governments or foreign entities like China, North Korea, Russia, Iran, which are the four that are named. Um, it's interesting because I just had that conversation, and just now in the break, tripped over. An interview on CNN that was done with the mayor of Houston, Texas, who is pushing back at a Texas bill. Now, this is a state bill, not like Latta's, which is for, you know, the federal, um, but a state bill in Texas that would ban the sale of land to these foreign authoritarian regimes as well. And the mayor of Houston, Texas, a far left progressive, is pushing back, saying all it will do is further Asian hate. Which is just incredible. So the answer to your question, my friend, is, and thank you for the call, we've got to get into the ears of our state legislators and our congressional representation and the, and senators uh, at both levels to make sure that we are not selling farmland to foreign regimes like these. Um, we have to be heard. It's just that simple. News time now. Rob Walgate will come back with us on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. 1137 now, Always Right Radio. We're going to spend our last six minutes of the broadcast today talking to our good friend Rob Walgate from the Ohio Roundtable and the AP Roundtable. Rob is, of course, a regular guest fill-in host on this program as well, and he's got a perspective for us by way of mom and dad about what's going on in East Palestine and the toxic cloud. Rob, good morning, my man. How are you? Hey, Bob. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Mom and Dad good? They're safe where they are? 
Well, they they think they are. They were lay, they live roughly nine ten miles as the bird flies from East Palestine and St. Clair Township. And I texted you those pictures. That was from last Monday when they did the controlled burn on what they could see nine or ten miles away. And you can feel free to use those pictures as you want on social media or wherever mm-hmm. to share with folks. But that that's a pretty big cloud to see from nine or ten miles away. Yeah, it really is. Now, that, of course, as you say, is from last Monday. What uh, what what does it look like since then? Have they given you any, any updates? Not a ton of clouds. They, they're not seeing anything since last week when it comes to that, but they are talking to friends and family that we have there. Um, East Palestine schools opened yesterday. I know uh, folks, um, there's reports you know, from people I trust and are very credible, people coming home. Itchy throat, scratchy eyes, eyes swelling shut, going straight to bed. Um, I, you know, Bob, when they talked about the evacuation of the one-mile radius, there's a nursing home that sits just outside of that one-mile radius, and I was told that that wasn't evacuated. And my question immediately became, where did the one-mile number come from? Is that like six feet to, to you yes. know, um, where did that come from? Like, who, where, why one mile? Why not a mile and a half? Why not two miles? There's so many questions. You know, East Liverpool, which isn't far from East Palestine, is home to one of the world's largest waste incinerators, WTI. Now it's called Heritage Thermal. And um, I have colleagues, friends that work there. And when this happened, when this train derailment happened, they were like, listen, that vinyl chloride is no joke at all. They're like, that has some cancer tendencies. That's a very bad thing. This is not good. And the night it happened, here's the crazy part. My brother, I called my brother Friday night, February 3rd. I called him and to, to talk to him about stuff. We're close. I'm like, hey, what's going on, Jake? He's a high school basketball referee. He said, I'm in East Palestine. I just refereed a game, and there's a train stuck on the track. I'm looking at it. We can't get out of East Palestine. We've got to go find another way around. So he was right there and could have touched that train, which was what derailed a few hours later and um, created this mess. I, I just, it's so hard to believe that it's happening right in my backyard, basically, where I grew up. Yeah, and your point is spot on. Where where did they get this mile from? Is there some sort of a scientific metric that says the damage of some toxins being burned? Uh, and, uh, you know, especially as we see water with dead fish in it, we see animals in various points uh, that are laying there dead. I mean, is there some sort of scientific metric that says the, the spread of this can't reach one further than one mile? Uh, it is well, as arbitrary as six feet for, for the virus, uh, I think, which they found out and admitted later on. So do you have any confidence in do mom and dad? I mean, I know they weren't in the uh, you know evacuation zone, as you say. They're nine miles away as the crow flies, so they're probably fine. But are they concerned about anybody that they know that is closer to that? Uh, do they ever travel into that area or region uh, of, you know, of, their, uh, you know, of their region? travel into that region often peace valley orchards one of the greatest apple orchards in the state of ohio is right there um they travel that in when you look at that cloud how it's moving i mean people that are in you know pittsburgh's downwind from that so that that's all headed that way people in that area bob as you know they have wells um so they're very concerned about well contamination what's in the water you know the other thing to look about is years from now i mean there's so many unanswered questions then norfolk southern i heard this i can't be confirmed but i'm going to look it up someone just texted me and said they sent out a press release that said they were patting themselves on the back for giving out a million dollars to these palestine residents during this time and i'm like wait a minute here don't don't send out press releases saying you're being the good guys yet let's let's hang on a second a million dollars is a drop in the bucket you've displaced the whole community they were without school for a week i mean there's people 
that we know that are trying to sell their house in that their homes in that community right now before this happened. Do you think anyone's going to buy their home? No one's buying those houses right now. I will say this, a little nod, the Cavaliers stepped up. East Palestine varsity basketball played Southern local varsity basketball yesterday at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. So that was one bit of normalcy, if you will, they got to experience and get out of there and have a few hours of peace and quiet um, and go play some basketball somewhere nice. I'm going to be what what might sound like alarmist a little bit here, Rob, and I don't mean to be, but I guess I kind of do since I'm going to say it. But what's the name of that apple orchard again? Peace Valley, and I think it's still around. And we used to go to it all the time. And my my in-laws went there, my parents went there, I went there. My 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 wife talks about it all the time. Peace Valley Orchard. The only reason I ask is, I mean, I'm being, again, a little alarmist here, but I don't know what this is doing to the groundwater. I don't know what it's doing to the ground. I don't know what it's doing to the trees that are planted in the ground. And I wonder when apple season comes in in the spring, is it the spring, early summer? I wonder if I want to eat eat an apple off of that tree. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are asking those same questions. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying because, to be. I'm really not. I, but I can't help wondering it, Rob. I mean, uh, you know, right now, and right now, here's the real problem. All we have is for you and me to sit here on the radio and speculate because we're getting very, very limited coverage from the national media of what's going on over there, and we're getting even less answers from the federal government. And, in fact, I haven't even heard anything from the White House. This is a major issue. I think we've gotten scant response from Governor DeWine, and, like I said, even less from the federal government. It seems like, you know, this is this is something that they're trying to keep on the down low. Um, so in, until they give us answers, all we're going to do is sit here and speculate and even be a alarmist well and some people would say well there's small number of citizens there and i would say wait a minute here wait a minute had this happened anywhere else people would be going crazy but it happened in ohio in rural ohio and people were trying to just as you said push it under the rug where is mayor pete where are the others asking questions i know right. bill johnson was on the ground i believe yesterday or today um you know my brother texted me as we're talking my niece and nephew jordan and kendall they go to peace valley all the time with my parents they have my brother's kids have basketball games scheduled there this weekend. He's like, no. Why really well, apparently, apparently those kids don't matter and those people don't matter because there's not enough of them in that rural area. Rob, we're out of time, my friend. Thank you. God bless you and your family. We'll talk again soon. Thanks to everybody Thanks, today. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on Always Right Radio. Have a great day. Bye-bye.